Welcome to Women in B2B Marketing, a show where CMOs, VPs of marketing, and all strong women leaders in B2B discuss their top tactics, strategies, and tips for building high-performing teams, leveraging trends, and ultimately rocking their marketing careers. Made by and for women, insightful for all. I'm your host and 15-year B2B marketer, Jane Sarah. Let's dive in. All right. Thank you, everybody, for joining us today on Women in B2B Marketing. And today we have with us the amazing Tao No, who is SVP at Uptempo. Thank you so much for joining us, Tao, to talk about all things marketing. You have amazing leadership advice to share and just your journey and things that you're seeing on the ground. I'm so excited to chat with you today. I'm so happy to be here, Jane, and to have met you on LinkedIn as well. So thank you for having me. Love LinkedIn. It's the best community that's out there, right? It is. It is. (laughs) So good. Well, tell us, and also for anybody who watches this on YouTube, you see it, but if you are just listening on the podcast for now, Tao has the best mug ever, and it says, get shit done, GSD, so another team GSD person here on the call. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. It's it's my mantra. The team knows that. (laughs) Love it. Yeah, I used to have it on like a whiteboard in my room, (laughs) just team GSD. Well, let's jump into tell how you got started in B2B marketing, if you can tell us your first job and just how your career path has led you to being at Uptempo. Yeah, you know, it's so funny. Lots of people kind of fall into marketing. That's their story. I have a very uh, unconventional story in that I followed a kind of a straight path into marketing. So I already decided in high school, I was going to go into marketing, went to business school, study marketing. Most of my business school classmates headed back east to work for CBG companies. And I stayed out here in Vancouver. The high tech scene was growing. I had a ton of engineering friends. And so I've worked decades now in uh, high tech for so many different size companies, startups, all the way to like 800, 1000 person companies. So that's my path. It's pretty narrow. Had a lot of bumps, but it's pretty straightforward. And I'm one of the few people that studied marketing, stayed in marketing, and still in marketing. Yeah. Same here. And I always feel the same when I I say that. I'm one of the few who studied marketing and knew I wanted to do that, stuck with it, still love it. (laughs) So glad there's a couple of us out there. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Perfect. And then you recently, if you could tell me a little about a bit about the up-tempo journey too, because you recently, yes. and I don't want to use the wrong terms here because I know they're very important. It's not, yes. but you brought three companies together and they're both three powerful entities, very yes. well-established companies. So tell me about that journey and how it's been and your involvement and ups and downs, I'm sure. Yeah, so I joined Alicadia in May of 2021, and then we announced in July of 2021 that Brandmaker acquired Alicadia. And then in September of 2021, we then acquired Hive9. So it is the three companies coming together. It was unexpected, not what I expected coming on board. And it's like I tell my boss and my team, it's like having 1.5 jobs. So usually you're in a big company. I've, I've always been in the bigger company. So we just swallow up the little companies and life goes on. With this one, it was a big challenge the three companies. That's products, different products, cultures, processes, systems, overlap of roles, MarTech stacks, and vendors, right? And then you've got three different time zones, Vancouver, East Coast in North America, and Germany as well. So in marketing, we're looking at three different CRMs, 
three different marketing automation solutions, four different websites. And then you've got some staff can access Box, some staff can access SharePoint, some are using Teams, some are using Slack. It was challenging, but also I wanted this learning experience. And of course, I also got a new boss, a new CMO. So who knows if we get along, right? So today he loves me and I tolerate him. So everything works out. And uh, what uh, our CMO did right away was he did get the global marketing team, at least on the same systems, SharePoint and Slack. So we were ahead of the other departments that way. And we got everybody kind of used to a different pace of working as well and a different style of working where we don't really ask for permission, more forgiveness. That's kind of our culture. And then yeah. last year, we rebranded as Uptempo and launched a new MVP website in less than three months. I've never, wow. ever had the time and space to do rebrands or websites. So it was super, super fast. And I could yeah. see... The, the fear in the vendor's eyes when I told them about the project. They're like, oh, I'm like, in the timeline. Wow. Yeah, it's going to be okay because I have a, a saying that I will always cross the finish line, even if I have to drag your cold, dead body across it. <laughs> we are going to finish this race together. Yeah. So the rebrand was really key, not only for customers and the outside world and analysts, but also for everybody inside this new United organization. It was important for the three companies, the three staff to come together as one under a new brand. So that yeah. was an exciting learning experience. Yeah, I can imagine. I didn't realize the three month timeline for a rebrand and yeah. a website. That's bonkers. And you made it happen. That's from bonkers to amazing. I've never Mm -hmm. seen that done in that timeline. Very cool. And how is the org structure now, at least on the marketing side of things with the the various companies? Yes. So we do have one central global marketing team and we're spread out in Vancouver, Montreal, Toronto, Boston, Germany, all three different time zones. But uh, it is one global marketing team for the up-tempo organization. Nice. There's about 15 of us. Very cool. So you made it happen and the team came together. And when we were chatting the other day, you told me a few different fun tidbits of your about your team and, and the culture there. Can you kind of talk us through the culture and how you connect these teams that are across various countries and regions? Yes. I mean... First of all, virtual is tough. It is so much easier in person, in an office, getting to know people. And now it's like people are kind of burnt out. And the first thing I did when I joined the company when it was Alacadia was I asked about their existing meetings and social events. And they had, I think, an hour every Friday where they would eat lunch virtually together. And I just asked them how it was working out. And they said, we don't want to do this anymore. I'm like, good. I don't want to do it either. Because it's (laughs) your personal time. And it's a whole hour that you're taking, right? So I think it's just asking your team what they prefer and what they like. Because what's worked in other departments right now isn't necessarily going to work for our team. And what's worked in my past marketing companies, teams, is not what's going to work here as well. So you have to so kind of true. read the room and different people have you know, fun team suggestions. And I just throw it back out to the team. Do you guys want to do this or not? And it turns out we're really 
kind of a drinking team versus like an improv team or anything like that. Yeah. That being said, happy hour across three different time zones. That would mean it's their Germany's afternoon when they're doing their happy hour on a Friday. And it would be like 7am in Vancouver. <laughs> and I love wine. I'm all for day drinking, but 7am. Yeah. <laughs> a little early. Right? So the you other can do a way... ten thirty mimosa, but seven a.m. is a exactly. little hard. <laughs> exactly. So the thing is, I actually try to make sure that we have fun in every meeting that we have. So it's not like we carve out icebreakers or anything like that, or ask about weekends. It's something that you'd have to experience joining our meetings to see what I mean. But we yeah. just don't take ourselves too seriously. We get a lot of stuff done. There's an agenda. But we also kind of have fun and tease each other as well. And I think the other big part to team culture that people don't realize is not just the fun team building stuff, but it's your job as well, because you're doing that for most of the day. So what I always look at is how can I avoid burnout and people wasting their time? Because with this new team, it's a new set of processes and you just don't want to over-process everything or overcomplicate a lot of red tape. So it's been a lot of trial and error that, error that way. And I actually look at people's calendars and we look at the number of meetings they have and evaluate, do you need to be in this one? Should you have this one? Should this be bi-weekly? Should this be 15 minutes? So we're constantly looking at meeting time as well. And we have a four hour no meeting block on Wednesdays that people can put uh, on their calendars. It's optional. If you want to have meetings for the four hours, go ahead as well. So we always make that optional. And I also schedule my Slack messages so I don't hassle the team during off hours as well. So there's fun events, but I need to make sure that their working time is also setting them up for success and enjoyable as well. And the other part of that is onboarding. It's like a pet peeve of mine. I've joined so many companies where you've had like little to no onboarding. So we actually have a massive deck, this huge onboarding deck where we train people coming on board so they understand all the basics about our market and our product, but also how the marketing team works, our meetings, how we communicate, how we run campaigns, I even have this one slide with tips on how to work with our CMO, you know, his pet peeves, what he values, et cetera. But I had to change the title because he was a little offended. So instead of how to work with Jim, it's <laughs> how to work with the up-tempo marketing team. But we all know. <laughs> we all know. It, yep. <laughs> exactly. And then I have German direct reports as well. So it was a really important for me that they didn't feel less important. So I will go the extra mile to meet early in my day for them. So it might be 5.30 a.m., 6 a.m. I'll do whatever it takes to make sure that they feel they're an equal part of this team as well. And of course, just treating people like human beings on the team is appreciated outside of just like happy hour or free coffee, et cetera. So if they've had death in the family, if they've been dumped, if they're just physically exhausted, you just need to let people have that time to themselves and take a break and be easy on on themselves as well. So all of that are all little parts that make up culture. And it's not just, hey, when are we having beers? Yeah. Do you find it's important to lead by example there? Because I know 
Like block, we were talking about this earlier, but my calendar lately has been meeting overload. And I always tell my team, if if you are scheduled on a meeting that you don't think you add value to, and it doesn't need you there, Mm -hmm. then X yourself out of it. It is completely fine to do that. But then I don't model that behavior myself sometimes. And it feels a little hypocritical, but I encourage them, but I need to remind myself. To I, do I agree. I mean, I just gave that speech last week about you need to be in meetings that you're either adding value or getting value from. And if you're not adding value or getting value, get out of there. Right. Mm-hmm. So I actually do a good job of that because I try to get away from meetings as much as possible. So if I can push that onto my boss or somebody else, I'm all for that. I need to take myself out of meetings. The meetings that I have with my team to work on stuff are the most important meetings to me. So I do model the meeting part pretty well. The work-life balance is an ongoing challenge that I have. So I I tell my team to do all these wonderful things for themselves. The work-life balance is, is an ongoing challenge for me. Yeah. <laughs> As she takes a sip from her get shit done mug. <laughs> um, I, I could sense that too, because you, when you were talking about accommodating your team in, in Germany and hopping on the call really early, yeah. I mean, that's amazing. And that, that I'm sure helps them feel like they are a part of the team and um, feel included. But then at the same time, then you're working these long hours. So how do you how do you get this? I hate to use the term self-care. I think I'm reading a book right now called Real Self-Care. And it's just shedding light on how self-care is abused as a term. And it, like if we oh, just yeah. say having a bath or I mean, my favorite is like you tell having a glass of wine yes. or a couple. Combine <laughs> and, it with the bath. Yes. Right. <laughs> well, exactly. I mean, that feels great in the moment, but it's not true self-care. But I'm curious, like, what do you do to balance out? Like, you are a work hard girl, but how do you play hard or balance that out afterwards? Still figuring it out. I'm first of all, the most terrible person to answer this question um, because (laughs) I do work a lot. And I'd like to say it's because I'm a terrible boss, but he reminds me that it's my fault. It's because I I have a lot to do, but I also just really love my job. But I Mm. actually... I play a lot of sports too, because that really gets my energy out. And it also forces you not to think about work because when you're on the soccer field or you're on the tennis court or you're lifting, all you're thinking about is the thing that you're doing. If you're not paying attention, you're not moving with the play and you're going to get hit with a soccer ball. Right. So you, you have to focus in the moment in that sport And then afterwards, you're just physically exhausted and it just feels so much better. So people find it hard to believe with the hours I keep, but I I do play a lot of sports and it really helps. I mean, just not only for health, but just mental well-being. So that's how I like to balance it somewhat. Yeah, it's like a forced unplug. Yeah, right. you you, you have literally to. have your brain turned off because it has to focus on the new task at hand. So you're pausing from all marketing talk and th- and thoughts for as much as you can. Very yeah. cool. You just That's can't a think great about idea. anything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I'm not. I'm. I have never been a sporty person. Unfortunately, I wish I have been, yeah. but <laughs> the coordination is just not there for me. So I just I go on the treadmill and things like that to stay healthy oh, yeah. and. But you definitely don't get away from your thoughts there. It's my prime podcast listening time and thinking time. Think about things and ideas. And like, I have such a competitive spirit that 
I just find sports is a very healthy outlet for that. So I'm yeah. on the you know tennis court. I'm like, I just need to hit this ball down the line because they're cheating in the middle. I'm going to make them pay for it. So that's <laughs> all I'm thinking about. Just thinking about winning the game in the moment. And I can't be thinking about this draft or this contract, et cetera. Yeah, I love that. Well, quick pivot from this, the same attitude you take of competition when you're on the court of any kind. How, well, let's get it to revenue marketing, right? So what's mm-hmm. working right now for you or have you seen working channel-wise or campaign-wise or what kind of is working on the revenue side for you right now? You know what? One of the changes that we made in marketing was we brought the sales development team, the SDRs, back into marketing. And Ooh. I think that alignment and collaboration has worked really well. And mm-hmm. that team has developed these great playbooks as well. So there's a rigor and discipline to what they're doing. And they're, because we all report to the CMO as well, there is a natural collaboration and alignment there. The other thing that we found that's worked for awareness is we have these monthly live marketing operation huddles, we call them. So they're really informal. It's almost like an ex- it's a podcast, but everybody gets to speak. So Ooh. there's no sales pitch. There's no presentation. There's no recording. It's just one hour. Uh, only marketing operations professionals join yeah. on a said topic. And we have an influencer and myself moderate. And we just share our thoughts. Uncensored. We help each other share templates just on that topic. And that's worked out really well because I know there's webinar burnout. I guess. Yeah. In another webinar. And I usually actually don't attend live. I just get the recording and then play it on chipmunk mode, I call it afterwards, yeah. just to get the yep. nuggets really quickly. Three X. But this <laughs> is yeah, this is different. This is like a live conversation with a whole bunch bunch of people you wouldn't normally know. So we had over a hundred people join live and they're all wanting to talk and the chat's going off like crazy as ah. well. And it's just our authentic way of having conversation because people aren't flying to conferences as much anymore just because there was COVID and also budgets being slashed. So this is another way to connect with people. So yeah. that's worked really well. So it's the SER team, these live chats and also as I mentioned before, what's working for us is building that strong team culture. Because once you have that, then everything gets better as well. So it's like what they say about parents, you want to put the oxygen mask on yourself before you help your child or whatever. So we want to make sure we take care of ourselves and our teammates internally and make sure that's healthy before we can think about healthy, productive programs. So yeah. And these um, groups that you get together, are they mm-hmm. on video too? Or is it audio? On yes, the video we want, oh, we on. encourage everyone to have video and audio on. Yeah. So that everybody can see each other. And it is kind of a live chat. So depending, sometimes people are eating lunch, and they don't want to turn video on. But I would say at least 60% are on video. Right. And mm-hmm. I think that the more often or the more familiar they are with each other each month, people will feel more free to show their videos. But yes, we welcome video on, audio on. We have a hot topic. We invite guest speakers and yeah, people just participate. Very cool. And how do you moderate with that many people with audio and video on? Difficult. (laughs) Very difficult. Do you ever have to force mute people? (laughs) Oh, well, they come on. Uh, muted so they 
they take their audio off once they have something to say. And usually okay. they have their digital hand that they're raising, of course. But you have a polite group of marketers and revops. Exactly. <laughs> but if there's a lull, sometimes people can just jump in as well. But it is hard to look at the conversation and be engaged, but then also look at the chat because yes. chat is going off like crazy. You'll have like great know, problem to have though. 50 different messages going on at the same time. I'm like, oh, I don't know what's happening. I mean, they could hate whatever I'm saying. I have no idea right now because I just can't focus or whatever. But it it just worked out. People understand. It's almost like they have a separate conversation in the chat entirely for those people that are not comfortable speaking up or have something to say, et cetera. It's almost like two things are happening at the, the same time. But yeah, they're super fun and they're unpredictable. So that's the yes. fun and exciting and scary part. You never know what is going to be said or or whatever, yeah. but I've been surprised at some of the, the things that people have shared live there. Yeah. And of course, everybody asks, oh, I missed it. Do you have a recording? No, we don't have a recording. It's live. You either show up wow. or, or you don't show up. It is like a one-time thing. I love the aspect that it's not recorded. Because then you'll, that I'm sure improves engagement and people feeling comfortable sharing things that they probably wouldn't if they see the recording button blinking. And then also also, they want to attend instead of just register, right? Exactly. And also we don't allow salespeople or vendors to show up, right? So we do, anybody who manages marketing operations, works in marketing operations, might not be your exact title, but you're welcome to join the conversation. But no sales people are allowed, not even our own. Yeah. Um, they know that. And so I've had to send out a, a few polite uh, rejections saying, I'm so happy you're interested, but you, you can't join the conversation. So that allows people to be free as well, knowing their boss isn't there, knowing sales people aren't there, and just speaking to their peers, really. Yeah, very specific targeted group. You're also mm-hmm. probably, you you must be creating a community through these events as well. They probably yes. all connect on LinkedIn and chatter. Do you have a, a separate space for the same group to talk to one another? Yes, actually, we have a Slack community called The Huddle, and Mm -hmm. it allows people who maybe they couldn't make it, maybe they want to talk about that conversation further, or they have different topics, so that we have an open Slack community for marketing operations professionals there. And then same thing, no salespeople allowed, Mm -hmm. and uh, you have to be managing marketing operations to some degree, and allows them to have these conversations. So that community is a bit more new than our live chats, but it does allow people to have an outlet saying, oh, this person made a good point. I'd love to talk to them further about it. And they're in the Slack community and doing that. So we're we're trying a, a few other new things in this Slack community coming up as well. Very cool. And so since there's this no salesperson allowed rule, which mm-hmm. I love, do yes. I guess the, the topics are never user focus for up-tempo and how to do this and anything like that. It's very much strategy and things to improve outside of up-tempo. It's more advice for your ICP versus how you can use us to achieve XYZ. Absolutely. So the monthly talks, we focus on 
strategic marketing operations. So that specifically, not about like how can we connect these two tools, you know, best practices for that. We talk about bigger things like how are you measuring uh, your marketing operations team? How are you doing more with less? How do you get on that leadership path? How do you invigorate your team during this time? So we have all kinds of topics related to leadership and your path to leadership specifically. In the Slack community, we have product channels that customers are a part of, but all the open ones are about best practices, about marketing operations, et cetera. And as I said, we're trying to look at resources and people uh, to come in to um, provide some value to those people in the community as well. Yeah, that's amazing. And I took a ton of notes on just this. I think you're doing a great job with these events. That sounds so good. Because yeah, you're right with webinar fatigue, although I still see them working really, really well. But this is a great, unique format that just combines the community aspect and people are just craving that engagement with one another now. So that's genius. Yeah, they're craving not only learning, but sharing. That's the big part that I've been so surprised and impressed with. There are so many people, regardless of their title in marketing operations, that have something to share with the rest of the world, right? They have this exciting thing they figured out, or they've gone through this scenario and they want to share the thing that's worked for them. And so that's what makes all of this really work well is that 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 spirit of sharing that I'm impressed with. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing that you create that yeah. for people. On the flip side of this, right? These yes. are amazing things that are working. What is not working right now? What are you are you done with is how I, I phrase it on the show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And just <laughs> closing the door on. Uh, podcasts. No, I just stab to my heart. <laughs> but um, you know, coming together, as I mentioned, we need to stay relentlessly focused, and we're always looking at how can do we do fewer things that aren't working and focus on doing an A plus job on a few other things. So avoid yeah. boiling the ocean or burning people out. So we stopped doing when we came together as a a combined team, the company newsletter, public relations, essentially, and our own podcast. Your podcast is fantastic. Other podcasts <laughs> are great. But the numbers did not support these three activities yeah. at the time. And we had just so much going on. And yeah. I just feel like a lot of company newsletters are kind of make work projects that might be a vanity project for executives, but aren't actually widely read. So it's one of my favorites, one of my very favorite things to come. Very favorite. Yeah. And I think in general, PR needs to be reinvented in full stop. But that's yeah. a whole other episode. I just don't want to write another press release saying the same cookie cutter thing. So those are Seriously. the three things that we <laughs> put a halt for for now. We'll see in the future. So interesting. I mean, I'd love to, maybe I'll have you back to talk just about the PR is over the death of PR or it just needs to be reinvented. Or you know, everyone always likes about to say, PR. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. But it feels like PR for at least in the B2B and in SaaS in this space, it's very much changing to a focus on B2B influencers. If your focus is not so much on getting attention from investors and more on actually generating leads and creating a pipeline and demand, then B2B influencers seem to be the way to go over PR. Yes, 
Agreed, agreed. And that's why the monthly chats work, right? So I've teamed up with Daryl Alfonso in the marketing operations space. Great guy, super knowledgeable, super nice. And so we hold the monthly chats together in North America. And then for the ones timed for EMEA, we have an influencer, Franz Rimmersmoff. I'm totally butchering that last name. And my boss, Jim, they hold the monthly um, chats for the EMEA time zone. So we've teamed up with people that have influence, that have a point of view, that are interesting and also nice people. We like to work with nice people. And that also helps us get awareness and get credibility and get reach as well. Instead of sending out a press release, we're so happy about blah, 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 blah. (laughs) I mean, I I don't care. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I get that. It's kind of, I feel like it's just taken from a lot of marketers as like a necessity, but when you really need to cut budgets, I mean, what do you see in return from that? Unless you have some really great PR chops and are doing something beyond the press release itself. Well, the thing is, if you're a big brand, it works. If you have something real to share that actually adds value into the world, it matters. But for the most part, you're just caught in the noise and also the expectations of PR. Oh, we want to be in a Wall Street Journal or whatever. Like, it's just ridiculous. But again, that's yeah. a whole other. I just want to get started on that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we could keep going. Oh. Um, well, let's pivot again. I like to go back and forth between these tactical <laughs> strategies, which I got a ton already, and your career so far. If you could talk us through just a big hurdle you've gotten through in your career. I know it, you say it's been linear, but there have been some some bumps yes. and some some rises. So yeah, talk us through one that comes to mind. Well, I think one that actually is a hurdle for me in personal and work life, especially growing up in you know, an Asian family, is that just being told how I should act or speak. That's mm. a general thing that I've heard throughout my personal and work life, that I should do something because so-and-so is important, thinks I should do it, or that I can't do something because we don't want to rock the boat, or I can't say something, even though my male counterparts have said it, right? So Mm. I don't like being told what I can or cannot do, and I do enjoy rocking the boat quite a bit. When I was a marketing manager, we had our PR agency come visit us at a meeting. And afterwards, my manager at the time said, oh, one of the ladies wore fishnet stockings and how unprofessional it was. First of all, she rocked it. It looked awesome. But the very evening, I went out and I bought a pair of fishnet stockings and I wore it the next day (laughs) just to make a statement, right? And not a peep. Not a peep. So I just- I uh, love that. I just don't like being told anything and also being overlooked, right? Especially as uh, being a shorter Asian female in a leadership role. I don't look like the traditional leader as well. So you get overlooked. I had an executive in one company constantly go to my boss about initiatives he wanted executed and getting done. And it was just always dead in the water and he couldn't figure out why and then he figured out why either my boss just never did anything with it because he wasn't on the operational side or I just killed it on the spot so he finally realized the the person behind the curtain and then he took me out for uh, some bullshit suck up dinner that didn't work Um, (laughs) (laughs) so this this hurdle of just being told to be in this box is constant and so what I've tried to do 
to solve this problem are two things. One, anytime I'm interviewing or chatting with a company about joining, I try to make it crystal clear what I'm about and what my personality is so that they're not surprised when I come on board exactly what I'm like. There's no surprise. And the other thing is building relationships and trust with different people in the organization. When you have that foundation, you really can do kind of anything and you can be yourself and you can say everything and you can get people on board once you have that. But yeah, that is a constant hurdle I've faced in my career for sure. Yeah. Perception versus reality in various forms. I love that your personality is perhaps not what people are expecting, or, but that can also be a superpower, right? That yes. <laughs> I love it. I mean, I, when we were first chatting, I hope you can show some, some pictures later that I can use in, in promoting this. But one thing I loved about you, Tao, is when you had your camera off, it showed a picture of you playing in the leaves, oh, yes. like a beautiful <laughs> autumn photo. Oh, and, yes. <laughs> and you shared with me that you, you take these seasonal photos every year. And here, you tell what you do here. It's yeah, amazing. Yeah, so it's, it's another way to connect with people virtually in the company. Yeah. So, you know, you have your Slack profile picture and everybody has one they put up and it's for all time, right? I actually like to take seasonal Slack profile pictures. So winter, autumn, cherry blossom season, Christmas time, etc. So I'll just take headshots and I'll change up my Slack photos on the regular. So sometimes they're fun. Sometimes they're making fun of my boss. <laughs> and I just like to kind of change it up as well. Same thing with my Slack profile. Um, you'll see that it says title SVP of marketing, but I also spend my time wondering why we aren't on Google Suite. So just <laughs> all the little things that you can do on a regular basis and something that I do almost, I would say not hourly, but close to it throughout a day is I will also change up my Slack stack, right? Mm-hmm. So I love changing the emojis and changing it to I'm eating the sandwich right now, or why is my boss late? This is frustrating. <laughs> or, you know, I'll just change it to whatever I'm feeling or whatever's topical at the time. And it allows people that don't work with me on a regular basis to just kind of connect and get to know me as well. So, um, yes. yeah, it's just something I like to do. I mean, it makes you memorable, which is sticky, right? Mark, you are amazing at marketing yourself, I must say. So, this is, we should all take a page out of Tao's book here and. For sure do this. I love that. And it, it did it. It's memorable. I love that you take photos seasonally that you can change like purely for Slack photos and, and LinkedIn. It's amazing. You also told me that you have taken a lot of time recently to interview women oh, leaders yes. in the marketing ops world. I'm curious what yes. you found from them, like what hurdles they're experiencing, their challenges, career, work, both. Yeah. I mean, the thing is you just work every day, your head's down. And so we've had the privilege of speaking to these women and their path and their journey and their advice. And it's been so inspiring. And uh, I think more important than ever for people out there who may be struggling to get a bit of advice, a bit of inspiration, a bit of oomph from their stories as well. So I'm really grateful that they took out time um, to speak with us and share these stories, right? And what I've noticed are two main themes from all the stories. One is the path is never straight or easy. Like most Mm -hmm. of the stories that you've read about these women coming to where they are, it hasn't been like, aha, I'm going to do this exact thing and 
for the next 20 years or whatever. It's always been a, a windy and surprising, unpredictable path. I think that's something that's in every one of their stories. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is, which is great in terms of their advice, because there's lots of advice, practical advice, et cetera. But the overall theme on the advice is just keep the faith. Things might suck now. Things might mm-hmm. not be perfect now. Things might feel a little bit foggy, but it does get better. It does get easier. Just persevere. So that's been really just inspiring to see that across every leader's advice, right? How they got yeah. there. So we're just so excited that that we have so many stories to tell and we hope that people will read it and, and get some comfort and value from it. Yeah. And what is this, the format that's coming out? It's, it's a blog to... series. Yes. Oh. It's the Lead with Confidence a blog series. If you follow Uptempo on LinkedIn, you'll find it there. Or if you go to our website blog, you'll find it there as well. Or that's amazing. follow me I'll on I'll link to that in yeah, I'll link to that yeah. in show notes too, so we can link to that. I mean, perfect oh, do, should we do the thing that the YouTubers do? It's like click on this link yeah. below here, click here. to read <laughs> the series. Exactly, yeah. ring the bell for notifications, and then click the link exactly. here. Exactly. <laughs> I love that. And then, curious, as we wrap things up. Do you have any, I might know a couple from the things that are working for you right now, yes, but what yeah. are your, your favorite tools, your MarTech stack, anything that is just helping you all succeed at, at Uptempo? My favorite tool is the Uptempo software. Don't throw your rotten fruit at me. Um, <laughs> I was a customer of Allocadia actually oh. before I joined. So I actually know the tool really well, and I love the tool. That's why I joined. And we in marketing here use the tool. So Mm. it helps manage your budget and finances, tie performance to impact. And I went to business school. They didn't actually teach you how to manage a marketing budget. It was Mm. a really steep learning curve. And it's not something that was in our accounting classes either. But I think it's yeah. really important, even if you are not on the leadership path, but especially if you are to have a basic understanding of the marketing budget, how to manage it, how to speak to finance, etc. So I meet with my finance analyst each month, we have a great relationship, right, Jimmy? Great. Um, we speak the same language and everything is in there. So I give my team not only training on the product, but I give them basic finance training for marketers as well. So whether they like it or not, when they move on from the company and run their own teams, they're going to know how to manage a budget and uh, be fiscally responsible and talk to finance and be able to prove what programs are working or not, et cetera. So this is a tool that I use on the regular and that I love. And the other favorite tool, also like a lame answer, but it's myself. Being authentic and just being yourself. Because I've reached out to a number of people on LinkedIn, cold, like cold outreach, either just to people I admire and they're complete strangers, like fancy people too. And they've been so kind and responsive to these really authentic connection requests. And this is how I've met so many people, marketing operations influencers or other marketing leaders mm-hmm. I admire, etc. Just being yourself, being authentic and connecting with people, I think is really a good tool. 
I like that a lot. I know whenever I listen to, I mean, I think I've said this on every episode, I'm a big podcast listener. I start every day yeah. with it. And whenever I listen to an episode that just hits home, I always reach out to the person who who is speaking, who, who got me, and I just tell yeah. them why that episode was amazing and helpful for me and in what way. And nine times out of 10, they do respond. Like it, it yeah. really connects to them. Cause it's authentic. I'm telling you, like I listen, just listened to this episode. Exactly. Bah, 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 would love to connect. Like I can just follow you, but I would love to do more than that and exactly. actually connect with you. Yeah. And maybe that's the way so to find surprised. a mentor too. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I was so surprised at some people that I thought like big people that connected with me just because the, the request was just real. Right. And so I think that's important understanding how to just be comfortable in your own skin, speaking your own voice and connecting with people as human beings. I think that's important. Yes. That seems to be the theme of this episode too, because that's how you are with your team, with your, your <laughs> boss. I love that you can poke fun at him and you have that relationship. So you're just oh, solidly tau across the board. <laughs> <laughs> and tell what is your favorite book or podcast right now? Other Say, than mine. <laughs> actually, I... This is, I have like 25 different podcasts that I listen to, oddly enough. It is, it's kind of weird that I have so many podcasts. And then I have, always have like five books on the go in my nightstand. And this is an old book. And I actually forget the title, but it's the former, I think, communications for person in the Obama administration. Oh. She wrote her own book about her time working for Obama. And what I love about it is the humor it's just a really easy book to read. It's just funny. I'm like only a third of the way through it. And it's certainly not new by any means, but it's yeah. super interesting and engaging that way. I mean, that's how I consume basically all my um, content. If it's real and it's yeah. engaging and it's fun, that's how I like to, to read things. So it's a good one. Uh, ticked all the boxes book for you title down right. here <laughs> <laughs> we'll put the the link in show notes i think yeah, i've heard yeah. about this one too i think was yeah. it the speech writer i don't know if that is head of speech writer. all right it, i'll find it yeah i think her name was Alyssa something i'm just not okay doing the you can justice. tell me later when you go yeah, back to your nightstand yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll edit this out it will just dub <laughs> we'll it in with it. me saying the, the the title yeah yeah there we go and then as a sign off, what is your one key tip for fellow women in B2B marketing? I would say the key thing is speaking up for yourself and other women. I think that's really important because otherwise we won't get anywhere. And, and I think it's important for men as well. because They don't sometimes know that they're even doing anything bad, right? Yeah. I remember calling out a former manager once because he had informal Friday happy hour where various different men from different departments would drop by his office and drink. And I said, it was a boys club and that he was being sexist. And, he, mm -hmm. you know, I had a very spirited debate about that. Yep. And uh, like a week later, he brought it up again. He's really offended that you called me sexist. And I'm like, well, that's too bad because I haven't changed my mind, right? Yeah. And and it's not sexism as people think about, like not giving women promotions that they deserve or actually harassing them. It's all the little things that add up every single day. Talking over somebody, interrupting yes. somebody, mansplaining somebody, taking credit for their work, all these little things, I think it's important to call out. I've been yes. interrupted in a meeting once by a product manager and I just said, 
you know what, Peter, just shut the fuck up, right? Like, I was just like, just <laughs> shut up. I need wow. to speak. And then sometimes people repeating an idea that you already just gave in the meeting, right? So mm. frustrating, happens all the time. I usually say, yes, so-and-so, welcome to five minutes ago when that was my <laughs> idea, right? Like, I, I could just let it go, but I can't. Yeah, I can't. So I think it's important to speak up for yourself for other people. And but I in that same vein, I want to be appreciative of all the former and current co workers and teammates I've had through the years, because it's been not only a rich learning experience from everybody, but super fun as well. Yeah, even you, Jim, you get to be in there. too. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Oh, I love that advice. Stand your ground, speak up and make sure you do the same for others and recognize them too. Good words of wisdom to end on. Thank you so much, Tao, for joining us today. It's been a pleasure to have you. I love your every, the energy that you bring to the call. It's amazing. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And thank you everybody for listening today. We'll, again, we will have everything in show notes. So, so check it out below. And yeah, thank you for listening. Remember to like, rate, share with a friend. Give us all the love as we grow the show for women in B2B marketing. So thank you, everyone. Great. See you next Thanks. week. Thanks.